Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for Counterpoint. Let's get to it. We got a busy night. We got Melissa Lanceman, NVP Public Affairs over at Hill and Knowlton, and Kim Wright, VP Public Affairs, Hill and Knowlton. You know, not everybody's a VP of Public Affairs. <laughs> Apparently, everyone in the city of Toronto Just works at Hilton Knowlton. Everyone here. <laughs> Hilton Knowlton. Right now. Let's talk a little bit about, <clears throat> pardon me, me choking. <clears throat> Sorry. St. Mike's announcing that the uh, school president and the principal have, quote, resigned. Uh, the release says it's so that the school can move forward. You're both in public relations. All right. When I saw this statement late today. Um, are they getting out? Does it sound like they're trying to get out in front of something or just trying to stem the bleeding, Melissa? Uh, <laughs> look, this one was about hedging bets. Uh, they thought that this wouldn't come out. Yeah. And they absolutely put the reputation of the school um, ahead of the victims. And I don't think they're the only ones because I think that they didn't come to this decision, the two of them in a room. Yeah. Uh, I think there was probably more people involved and we should ask questions about who those people are. Kim? Yeah, at the end of all of this, what what I've seen time and time again is that these are never isolated incidents. And, you know, you can call them, as they did when the story first broke, hazing. You can call them boys will be boys. You can call it whatever BS term you want to come out with. But this is cover-ups of sexual assaults that, have, that are generally uh, tolerated for a very long time. And you would think, uh, you know, anybody in a Catholic church – uh, scenario would be very cognizant of how to how to manage these situations and frankly not continue to get yourself in a hot water like this. Well, wouldn't uh, they have known like days earlier? Like well, as, as the, when the phone starts ringing from the media and you know you haven't like talked to the parents, you haven't talked to the cops, wouldn't you then be saying we've got to get like some help on and, this? And his inconsistencies of statements yeah. of when he knew, when he talked to police, when he didn't talk to police and I kind of was dealing with an expulsion thing. No, it if somebody is being gang raped at your school, you should probably make your first call allegedly. to the police. Allegedly. This isn't going away. And and the other thing is that it's not, you know, there. what you're seeing now is other conversations that are happening. Has this happened before? Is this a, is this a bigger problem and a longer standing problem? So is it fair to say that, that they're the sacrificial lambs? I mean, doesn't the whole, shouldn't the whole board really be out the window, out the door? Yeah, look, I, I think you need to examine what has happened uh, at the school. There's a lot of people coming out now saying this has been going on since I was a student. And I was a student 20 years ago, 35 years ago, in some cases longer. Um, yeah, I think this needs an examination. Uh, but I think if we're talking about uh, the two people in charge, uh, that this is too late and it was more about protecting reputation. I'm going to ask you, would you send your kid there? Well, no, no. Look, if I were a parent at that school and I found out the situation after the fact, I'd be furious. And no, I would not put my kid back there, you know, depending on, on where they were in the school year. But no, I absolutely wouldn't because I'd be thinking, well, what else are you mismanaging? What else That's have right. you been? No, absolutely. If your you're has to be your boys, child, not the school. That's, if, you know. if you're teaching these boys to be, be leaders and they're seeing this kind of leadership, yeah. then yeah. you've got to question that when they take positions of power yeah, uh, in whatever they do uh, when they grow up. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get that people love the school. I get it. I get that. And and I know it's hard to, to say, okay, you know, something happened here. But at some point, who are you more loyal to? The well-being of your kids or the or the school? 
you know, when we see this in sport and my my hometown, their junior C hockey team had a quote unquote hazing situation very similar to this. And they shut down the entire, you know, charges were laid. They shut down the entire hockey program, the whole hockey team. And, you know, and while there was a lot of backlash in the community, how can you do this to to hockey and sport? You know what? The well-being of kids and the well-being of the community factors way more into this. And when you're talking to Mel's point about leadership and morality and how do you grow the next generation of leaders, you hope that this is a teachable moment saying this is no longer going to be tolerated. Yeah. And and I always say to people, never let the media make your headline. You got to get out in front of this stuff. Well, we're in that business. Well, exactly. But like, don't let us write your headline because it will not go the way you want it to, you know? Um, Okay, for the first time in a decade, the uh, Ford government coming out today with an announcement that it is overhauling social assistance. And it's changing the definition about who qualifies for things like disability. Those now getting disability will be grandfathered in. But it's also going to allow people to earn more money while receiving social assistance. And the idea is then to get people back into the workforce. Now, I'll start with Melissa because I'll have a follow-up question for you, Kim. But is, does this start to address this or is this, you know, draconian? Yeah, look, I think social assistance in Ontario is today uh, ineffective, uh, disjointed, uh, and it's patchy for uh, for those that need it. Uh, and if you're going to give, if you're, if you're going to help people out, you've got to give them meaningful opportunities to work. Um, I know that one in seven people uh, in this province live in uh, live in poverty, um, and that's why the government's decided uh, to better the system across, uh, like across whole of government, to put people back to work. On your side, though, they look at this, you know, with dread. You know, the language being that it's a war on the poor. Is I mean, look, I'm not strong on these issues because it is like like Melissa said, it's such a patchwork. And it's not streamlined. For me, if they can streamline any of this and reduce the cost at least by streamlining it and start pushing people back into the workforce to get them off, you know, needing assistance, isn't that ultimately the goal that we want? Well, keeping in mind that why people are on social assistance has many different reasons. Some they are disabled, some are who have disabilities who can work, some who have disabilities that and can, some play, cannot work. And, and there are and, some and who do take advantage in, of it. In every industry, in every situation, in every program, there are bad actors. Yeah. But by and large, these are people, and frankly, you don't make very much money on social assistance in any form. If if the government truly is, how do we make this easier to access the right systems, the right programs, the right amounts of money so people can have a decent living? I'm all for it. The same way when the government during the campaign had promised uh, getting rid of uh, personal income tax for those who make under 30000 Those are things that will help people. When you start to look at what people can make uh, as an earning without being clawed back of their benefits. And if the metrics of that actually end up costing people their their healthcare benefits, then I have some concerns about it. But if you go back to things like the Ray government, you know, the much dreaded what have you Ray government, they had an, they had an incredible program called Jobs Ontario Training. And that program actually helped people move and give be, be retooled be uh, develop uh, develop new skills, go back into the workforce. Keeping in mind, we were also dealing at the time with the largest recession, 
outside of the Great Depression. So getting people back to work, and especially what we're seeing now in a lot of communities across Ontario, which is not uh, prospering under the economic boom that uh, some people feel that there is. And keeping in mind, especially as manufacturing facilities close in community after community, that's a big problem for people. So it, social assistance is not easy because of the different facets that you're dealing with. When you need to bring in housing, when you need to bring in community supports, when you need to bring in disability assistance. So how do we do this and how do we do this right? Anything that can move this forward, but people are co- concerned about it. Because they've seen the experience under the Harris years of people being slashed and burned off of Oh, I think things. this is a much more but, measured and careful but approach. A hundred percent. But the proof will be what comes in the second wave of announcements of what actually the reforms look like and how that will unfold and how that will impact people's lives. Right now, people are very cautious because these are vulnerable populations we're dealing but with. But they also are, there's also a lot of rhetoric. So people are getting whipped up and, and scared because of some of the language that is used. I think people should step back, listen to what's coming out, knowing full well that we all got to kind of tighten the belt a little bit. For sure. And, and you're not going to get everything, but it's not as draconian, I think, I think as some of the opposition. I, I actually think this is probably going to be rather well received, but I think it's predicated on a, on a big assumption, and that's that there are jobs that exist for people who want to work. And that's what the government uh, said they were going to do. That's what the government has started doing. Uh, but they've got a big job ahead of them to create the opportunities there for uh, for people looking to uh, I mean, to a million them. people needing a social, that's a lot of people. That to me is far more. At $10 billion a year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, 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 big price tag. And again, I would say, let's go back and look at why are those people on those programs? Are they the right programs for them? Or are they with the, where they got streamed into when they applied? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you, as I said, you're dealing with vulnerable populations. So how do we deal with this in a humane manner that also takes into consideration uh, what people's needs really truly are? Yeah, and the state of the uh, province as well. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Kim right here, Melissa Landsman joining us for Counterpoint. I just kind of went off into a fantasy land there for a second. Um, let's talk a little bit about the address of 24 Sussex, where the Prime Minister should be living, but he can't live because it's in such dire straits. Well, the National Capital Commission, I guess which oversees this heritage property, uh, thinks we should spend $34.5 million to renovate the official residence of the Prime Minister or spend $38.5 million to build a new one. And how much does it cost to build it? I mean, look, I don't know if they want them to tear it down, but that seems like an astronomical price to pay for, for up Prime Minister's lodgings, no? So I think that 24 Sussex should be fixed. Yeah. It, it has needed to be fixed. Everyone's like, oh, we can't look like we're spending money on ourselves, except for the fact that our prime ministers live there and they host people there and they should actually have a place that well, the is the leader of the goddamn country. Right. Like, let's oh, not please. have a vermin infested or and, you know, falling down and people having to wear seven sweaters <laughs> in the place. Right. Is the price too much? I don't know if that's the technology and the security or if it's just well, the, it's the government and tender. Come on. But Honest to God, HGTV could just do another, you know, home to win type of series. Get Mike Holmes on this, right? Like, well, I'm, 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 I'm going on the other side of this. I'm on Team Teardown. Oh, no. Tear, no, no. tear down the place. But you wouldn't. And you, you can't but, host people there. Like, if you've but, ever been there, and I've had, the privilege, I've had the privilege of being there, you, you can't even 
you, you can't host a delegation in there. Sure. Like it's a like it's old school and indecision has brought us to this point. Yeah. It is a sh- it, it's a shame, but I think I've talked about uh, and this probably uh, says a lot about my friends, but I've talked about what to do with 24 Sussex <laughs> for years. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm totally on team teardown Hold tonight. A big raven uh, tear it down. Honest to god, I don't care what you do, but it's got we we need a prime minister's residence. To, well, to just give them, the, give them the governor general's house. It, you know, it's got its own sets of problems, right? You you also, you know, we see this in heritage buildings around Toronto all the time where it's basically destroyed because of neglect. Yeah. And but it's, it's not the most beautiful house, so, but I would like so them to, they could keep the facade and then just. There's lots of things. Is that significant to you? Well, it does have a lot of history. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sentimental. I'm not one of these people that likes to tear everything down and re, I, I actually like to preserve history. Let's I do. Let's make it a modern 21st century home where we're proud to yeah. to host other world or leaders. you can add some facade to it there's all yeah. sorts of really cool but things I'm, that you can integrate old and new into but honest to goodness make HGTV do either a teardown or a new or a hybrid or something I, I do want to say that I'm on team find someone to do it for less than 34.5 million dollars well, yeah. yeah 100% I'm but, on but that again, team too I do think it's a great idea Kim because you could actually educate a whole generation of kids about you could actually take them through the rooms of this prime minister lived here this prime like I don't know why they can't just team up and I know the networks would do it. Mike Holmes offered to do it. Sarah, Sarah Richardson, you know, Mike Holmes, the whole kid. You allow a whole bunch of students to design a room. I mean, you could have so much interaction. With, Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Or we could just tear it down. Oh my God. Even how you rebuild it, it could be done for a whole lot less and make it more interesting. Put a hologram next door. <laughs> Hardcore you are. Oh, the holograms. It's always the holograms. Um, Let's talk about the union representing Canada Post. Uh, They are fuming mad because the federal government, uh, you know, they believe that their members' constitutional rights are being pushed aside. So the feds have, I guess, dropped this emergency legislation to force them back to work. But while they're set to debate the bill, if you read the small print on this, they're not really pushing for that debate. And by the time these people get back to work, It'll be weeks. And so to me, I look at this as like the government wants to look like it's doing something, but they're dragging their feet just enough not to piss off the union. People have the right to collective bargaining. Yeah. We People have, right, have, we have the a right, right to, to the Christmas. Mail. <laughs> Don't ruin Christmas. Don't take my packages, please. Can we still say Christmas? Yes, we, we can absolutely yes, we still say Christmas. My, say Christmas. My point is people have the right to collective bargaining. The government has chosen to do what they're going to do on this. They've known that Christmas is coming. Christmas comes the same time every year. Uh, they also knew that legalization of cannabis was coming and people had packages to get delivered from Yeah, but that this is too. also a union that backed Trudeau. So he's it's the hand that you, feeds him. Unions back lots of people. I yeah, mean, right now have, they back the liberals. This and, has actually been brewing for a long time. But, and the only mistake that the government made is that they didn't do this faster. No. Don't ruin Christmas, Kim. I uh, Look, it's not me. If I were at the negotiating table, this would be a whole different conversation. But what, would you give them everything they want? No, I think there are there are lots of things that the government can be doing and that the union can be doing to find ways to move forward in the way that, look, people expect their packages to be delivered. They Businesses ex- need to bis- be able to do business work. with e-commerce, yeah. with all of the rest of it. How do you do this and how do you get it moving? Uh, especially when every other player, whether it be UPS, FedEx, or you know Jimmy's Delivery, wants to get in on this market, so you know there's got to be a give and take there, and there has to be a recognition. There's always of, a lot of give. We are killing, killing small business in this yeah. country. The least we could do is let them deliver mail. Let Santa come. Look, again, <laughs> this goes back to get people back to the bargaining table. Every best. But solution- they've had five weeks, Kim. How much more time do they need? 
Like literally get back to the table. Clearly they're not actually, you know, I would say at this point that when you've got two entrenched views like this, that you're probably going to need some version of mediation or arbitration. Well, binding arbitration, the taxpayers never win. No. But, you know, this is why the, a negotiated settlement just is... just never win, period. Yeah, that's and true. This is why a negotiated settlement is, is best. The back-to-work legislation is just going to either allow everyone to save face publicly or, and or, you know, do their flag raving. But, you know... This has just gone on too long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, a negotiated settlement should have been reached weeks ago. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, financial update because this didn't get any coverage, but I think it will really anger the base of the Trudeau government because big greenhouse gas emitters are going to be able to take advantage of a lot of the new tax incentives that were announced by Morneau because um, they have allowed for manufacturing and processing companies to write off the full cost of buying new equipment and machinery, all that great stuff that spews out all the 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 dirt and the you know the fossil fuels and if you look at the very last paragraph of the 156th page of the fiscal update the government admits itself that these in investments will increase greenhouse gas emissions as well as create more air water and soil pollution so this is a government with a environmental plan that is nothing more than suck and blow like literally nothing they actually do makes sense because it's so contradictory What's fascinating is the amount that consumers are demanding organizations to be better environmental stewards. That's that's part of what consumers are demanding, whether it's been on packaging, whether it's been on any number of things. And it, it's good that the government wants to move forward on incentivizing people to to. You know, buy sustainable uh, machinery, and they could have just lowered the tax rates. This is absolutely a classic. But go ahead, (laughs) I'll let you go. Let me finish. I'll let you finish. Then let's talk about the job killing carbon tax. (laughs) But but to do this like this and how they've structured it doesn't actually, to their own report, doesn't hit those markers. And it's the question I ask of every government, every level of government, every report I ever see: Why are you doing this, and what's the value? to doing it in this way at this time. And, you know, when you're doing something a year out from an election, I start to wonder a bit of if it's just a bit of greenwashing. Yeah, but again, they're bringing in this national carbon tax and in their report themselves, they're basically telling companies, here, buy stuff and pollute and we'll give you a tax write This is temporary deficit financing of the corporate sector. There's nothing nothing temporary about their deficit spending. Well, not their deficit spending, but this particular $14 billion deficit Mm. is just temporary. Uh, Look, I think you've got to look at a government that spends in good economic times. It's going to mean the cupboards are bare. Mm -hmm. And when the cupboards are bare, they've got to levy all kinds of taxes uh, because you don't have to be an economist to understand that more deficit spending today equals higher taxes tomorrow and the carbon tax is just part of that nonsense plan yeah and here we go with like ta- they should have and could have lowered the tax the corporate tax rate and then they wouldn't have these big gas emitter you know problems that people are going to buy there's a there's a number of things that this government could and should have done to this point coulda shoulda woulda didn't oh. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll. Uh, hopefully, Jagmeet Singh will come to the rescue. Is that what you were <laughs> going to say if next? They would, if they would just call a damn by-election, whether it's in Burnaby or anywhere else, uh, that would be helpful. But certainly, Jagmeet, once he gets into the house, there's a, there's a reason the the prime minister has been continued to try to keep him out of the house. I'm, I'm I'm sure he's nervous. <laughs> yeah, he should be. 
All right, guys, we got to leave it there. Thank you, ladies. Kim Wright, Melissa Lanceman joining us today. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.